0: Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Thank you for engaging with us today on the broadcast. I'm very excited to share with you um, this uh, topic today because we are introducing what I believe is the greatest church health principle that I have ever learned. I call it the watershed principle. Now, as we get going into this, uh, we wanna make sure that we're giving good information, but we also want to give some free stuff away. So make sure that you drop a comment in the link of where you're watching from, so we'll know who you are, where you're from, and uh, we're gonna be giving some free stuff away at the end of the broadcast. Also, let me just remind you uh, and say thank you for those of you that are giving to the cooperative program because that is what pays for us to be able to do these really cool broadcasts and bring the up-to-date information that we are doing. Let me read a passage of scripture. To you, um, and when I get into the watershed principle here, this is a new phrase that we've just developed since I've been here in Georgia in the last 12 months, been writing um, this booklet with these six principles or six main streams, but this is really fleshed out in the local church laboratory for the last 30 years, and. Uh, the Lord led me to a passage of scripture in Ezekiel chapter 47. I want to read that. and So if you've got your word, if you'll turn to Ezekiel 47, starting with verse 7, I'm going to read a passage of scripture to introduce this. So the Lord's taken Ezekiel on this journey, and he, and he takes him to this stream, and these things are happening. He's seeing these incredible visions, and he says, When I returned there along the bank of the river, were very many trees on the side and the other side. And then he said to me, he being the Lord, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valleys and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now it's interesting because it says when it reaches the seas, the waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because of the waters that go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand by it in Ingeti en and England, and they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds and the fish of the great sea exceedingly many, but its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to the salt along the bank of the river. Listen on the side of, in this and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because the water, the healed waters flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for the food and the leaves for medicine. So you you get this picture of this water that is healed and everything that it touches is healed. It is productive. It is alive there is power there is abundance it's multiplying i was not too long ago studying through this just asking god what would you want for the state of georgia how can we help churches become more healthy and then he led me to these six principles to be able to share with you and it's what i call the watershed principle so a watershed generally is uh, two streams that branch and then they, they flow down to a mountain and they come to this pinch point where um, it creates a waterfall. Now, in that waterfall, that is what we call life transformation. That's the attractive piece. I remember being at Anna Ruby Falls and um, this, I was at the bottom of the waterfall and I was reading this placard where it talked about how healthy streams feed the waterfall. And if the streams aren't healthy, you don't get a waterfall. And man, I was just thinking to myself, What's any different than the local church, where the ministries of the church must be healthy, if you want a healthy church, if you want to have that waterfall, that life transformation, that people look at a guy and say, man, Bill used to be this way, but now he's this way. I can't believe what's happening. Well, look, the goal of the watershed principle is to see life change, that results in world impacting disciple makers. That's what we want. That's what we want our our church to be doing. And if you are producing world impacting disciple makers, then that is game changer for all of us. And you know that the majority of churches don't produce that. Now, let me be clear, because in our discipleship tribe, you know some will look and say, man, if we can just get people into small groups and they are incredible, but I want you to know the watershed principle is a balanced approach. There are six streams that we emphasize. And I want you to hear me say clearly, we have to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to do that. We can't just get people involved in more Bible studies, doing more exegetical uh, study where we are building our knowledge and building our kingdom. We wanna do this in a balanced approach. We see discipleship and evangelism as two wings on an airplane. Obviously, if you only have one, the plane's not going to do very well. Well, that's the way the church is. You've got to have discipleship. You've got to have evangelism. In our tribe, Mary's, though, they're both important, and you can't have one without the other. Now, here's the six streams that we're talking about in the watershed principle. The first one is balance, where we talk about from show to grow. This is that sustainability piece of your model where you're gonna have a balance of evangelism and discipleship and serving at all the different levels. But we also talk about an intentional plan that when people come to your church, they know here's what we believe. And here is where we're gonna try to take you over the next few years for you, your spouse, your children. The second layer is called reach. It's from taking people from spectating to reaching. Now this is your uh, momentum building piece of the watershed principle. Because as people get accustomed to sharing the gospel, and as they actually sit down and have an opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus, listen, the passion, it becomes contagious, and you want to do it more and more, and it builds momentum as people are leading folks to Jesus, and those baptismal waters are stirred. The third layer is teach, and it's moving from information to transformation. And you all know that we we teach Bible study, and that's huge piece of disciple making, of discipleship, but it can't just be building head knowledge. We want to have the practical application where we are becoming Christ-like, because after all, the point of discipleship is not just connection, it's Christ-likeness. The fourth layer is to serve, and this moving from a consumer mentality to a collaborer mentality where where people are coming to your church and, and we talk to you about um, having a, a new member class where you're establishing um, culture and you're using language and you're letting people know where you're headed in the process to get there. And one of the things that we tell them is that you can't come be part of this church and just plan to sit sour and soak. You, we want you to be a co-laborer, not just a consumer. The fifth piece of that is multiply. And it's moving from keeping to sending because as we raise people up, man, we want to keep our best. Now, if some of these knuckleheads want to leave, that's okay. But listen, that's not a biblical perspective. We want to raise people up and send them. I know it's countercultural. I know it's not the way we do things in church, but I'm telling you, there's a, a spiritual dynamic where God replaces the great ones when you will raise them up and send them out. But it does not happen. by accident. And then the sixth stream in the watershed principle is moving from doing to equipping. Now, this one's called lead. And the leader of the church, the pastor of the church will either put a ceiling on your church health or they will remove the ceiling on your church health. This is a major shift that most pastors are going to have to make if you're gonna become a disciple making church. Well, the the watershed principle simply identifies the six streams that need your constant attention if you wanna build and maintain a church culture that fosters life change and leads people to become world impacting disciple makers. So we've identified that, we're gonna share that with you in different installments, we're gonna take it stream by stream, but that's the, the overview of it. And this was developed, like I said, while I go from a, a story, you know, last year, last fall, when I was praying through it was at Anna Ruby Falls. And I remember still all that water hitting the bottom of that waterfall and the power just flowing, the, the spray hitting me in the face. And I just remember thinking, man, if there was a way to bottle that power from that waterfall and for the local church to look like that. And I remember the spirit of God just spoke to my heart and he said, Scott, you don't get a waterfall if the streams that feed the waterfall aren't healthy. And that's what began this process to identify the major streams that need to be healthy in your church so that you can have that waterfall or the life change moment. And here's the other really cool thing about when I was at Ana Ruby Falls. I was walking down the stream below uh, below the waterfall, right? So it's hitting and all this water is trickling down. Listen, the trees the bushes, the fruit that was producing, the fish, the all the living organisms in the water, they were beautiful. They were bigger. They were lush below the waterfall because all of the streams above the waterfall were healthy. Well, we want to share more with you about that. That's an introduction to the watershed. Uh, but today, here's what we know. And I'm going to ask PJ Dunn to, to come on here with me just a second. He's got a few prearranged questions that, that he's been taking from you, our tribe, that almost 2,000 people now that are part of our discipleship tribe have been asking. And we're going to answer some of those based on the watershed principle to give, to help kind of flesh
1: that out. So PJ, will you jump on here with me? Yes, sir. Good to be here, and man, it's it's exciting every time to hear you talk about this because um, you're passionate. God's done something, uh, but you know it's almost been a year since you told me the first time, and every time I hear it, um, I see the excitement in your eyes. So I, I hope everybody else sense that too. And and I mean, this is something big. This isn't just a another program. I mean, this is changing a mindset. Um, it's just really exciting. And uh, one day I'll have to go to Anna Ruby Falls. I hear I hear it's pretty. So you'll love
0: it. You'll love the hike up too. Now. So here's the truth, PJ. We're in a pandemic. I mean, nothing's nothing's the same as it was a year ago. And all of the big players, man, if you talk about Kerry Newoff or or Mancini or David Kinnaman or whoever, they're all saying the same things. We're not going back to the old normal. So things are different. So we asked our tribe for a few questions, and I think you've got some questions that you were going to throw out that we could chew on. And now listen, when we talk about these questions, for those of you that are engaging with us on whatever platform, please comment, ask a further question. If we talk about an intentional pathway, if you've got that, me and drop that in there, because uh, PJ, I think you'll agree with this. One of the strengths of our tribe is the wisdom of the group. That there is no single person or or no small brain or, or group in here who's making all the decisions that has all the answers. It's really the best practices that we're all doing is the great value
1: of this tribe, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, we read your comments. And so sometimes you engage in social media and you think it's somebody reading the comments, but but we are, we're we're crowdsourcing uh, this, this show today and the shows to come because we're reading your comments. We're getting that feedback. In fact, you know, we reach out to a lot of those pastors and give them a call or talk on video or those kind of things based off of, um, our group. And so I just want to dive right into the first one that we got that I think was, was fantastic. So, do so the question is, um, how do we cultivate discipleship, uh, in a church to participate, uh, in a discipleship group? So how do we get people that have the culture that they want to participate in those groups? And, and you know, you can call the group a lot of things, small groups, care groups, home groups, all those kind of things. So how would you address that? PJ in our world, I
0: bet we've heard this question asked in different ways every day over the last two months. Yeah. I mean, that is no exaggeration. This is such a big question. So let me just answer it. Um, with a few thoughts right here. One is uh, really coming out of a, a recording with Mark Marshall, as he talks about a new member class that he did at his church there needs to be a new member pathway, okay? And here's what I mean by that. Whether you call it a class or it's a one-on-one with the pastor, there's got to be something upfront in the church. It's what I did in Halton, it's what we did when I was in Winfield and also in Ringgold, Louisiana, but there's gotta be a way up front where we are talking the language because language drives culture and you gotta set the culture up front. We gotta give the, the expectations, of if you're going to come to be a part of this church, what can you expect from us? But also, what can we can expect from you? And what we do is we have an opportunity to really teach people what a biblical disciple looks like. We're establishing relational equity. We're building relationships. And you think about typical churches that run 200, 300, or 2,000, 20,000. Most people don't get that relationship and personal conversation with the pastor. But you can do that if you have this upfront mechanism and one thing I want to say right here, PJ, I think is really important is that we've got to give people multiple options. So some people aren't doing a, a new member class or any kind of gateway up front at all. So this is a big deal for you, but some people are doing it, but you only get one option and you get it once a quarter or once a year or once a month. What if we moved from that mindset that says, you know what, this is so important. What if we give multiple avenues that if they can't come, that one Sunday a month when you do that, or that four Sundays, if you have a four sin. what if you did and say, hey, on Wednesday nights, I'll do a makeup with you. I'll take an hour and do a makeup with you on Wednesday night, four Wednesday nights to make sure you get through this. Now, PJ, let me ask you, let me throw this back to you for a second. I've got some thoughts so we can chew on it. But one thing I think is really important with this discussion are what are some things that people are doing for a new member class? Because when you talk about cultivating discipleship in a church, where you're teaching them that we need you to, to engage in Sunday school or small group in a worship or in a in a in a home, a worship service, um, we can brand all that in this upfront class. Okay, so what are you seeing as far as wh- how people are del- delivering this?
1: Yeah, um, well, there's some methodology things like you see steak and you see you know spread out or you do it in a the field. There's those kind of things, but the ones that I think are are really sticking is when pastor gets up and says my group meets on Tuesday nights, we mm. meet here at my house and these are 10 people that I've been walking through. And then the children's pastor comes in and says, you know, we want your kids to be here. You know, they give the kids speech, but they end with, I have a Bible study on Friday nights at my house because we have that. I mean, that that's culture. Culture is when those things just ooze out of every staff member. It's not forced, nobody made you go to do anything, but but when the staff gets it, then members are gonna see it and then they're gonna know it's a value.
0: So good. So here are a couple other things that we've heard. One is the obvious face-to-face option with precautions because we're still in a pandemic. One is an online option to yeah. be able to do it online, whether it's uh, pre-recorded or uh, a live recording where you can interact, but you're doing it online, which takes away the physical um, risk there. Pre-recorded videos. I know a church that has some some things that they do with pre-recorded videos. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard of some finding larger open areas. Out, maybe outside where they could social distance, where you have better airflow under a covered pavilion or something like that, and you can social distance. So we've heard of that. Um, some are, are meeting one-on-one with the pastor. So some of our smaller and medium-sized churches where, they, um, where they're where they not having so many people the pastor can't do it. I know Craig Dale, and he he's okay with me using his name at Ivy Creek. He still meets with everybody who's gonna come to his church. And he basically does a new member class, but he does it over a period of individual meetings with him because he wants to know the heart of the member and he wants them to know his heart. Another great option.
1: Yeah. And, and you just also, call it an interview, right? You can just call it an interview instead of a class and you can take this concept and apply yes. it to whatever size church you have and wherever it's at.
0: That's it. That's it. And PJ, I've, I've also heard of some developing, and I don't know anybody who's doing it or I, or I drop a, a link or something right here, but I have heard of some that are developing some at home studies of Three, two, four sessions of what we want you to know as you become a member of this church, mm-hmm. and people have to check a box if they've viewed the video and, and worked the, the resource. Sure. So, um, but in the in the comments, we'd love to hear if you're doing this. How are you branding who you are? Expectations, and, uh, and another piece of this whole thing too, PJ, um, that I've shared with you before. I have when I when I left Halton, we did this, and I gave the gospel emphatically in the first session of each one of them. Right seven of the last 12 months that I was in Louisiana, we baptized people that were coming through that new member class who were going to join the church and said they were a Christian. But after giving them the gospel, we baptized seven out of 12 months people who came through that class
1: simply because we gave a Roman road gospel appeal. Isn't that amazing? Well, it is. And just to remind everybody, because you might've thought you were tuning in the wrong thing. We're talking about a the new members class being ways that we infuse the discipleship culture. Like it is the beginning piece of when somebody says I'm bought in now, what is this? And now you've set culture for that person and that'll pay dividends for decades, you know, maybe even generations, if you just take that time and and invest early. So I love it. And so, you know, we're talking about pastors and uh, we have a, a lot of pastors that watch this program in addition to some people that do discipleship or volunteer discipleship. So, you know, how can the pastor, um, highlight discipleship and, and more than a program? You know, how, how do they help discipleship be a part of their church?
0: Yeah, and, and one thing that's really important for that pastor is he's gonna lead that charge. So he's gotta do it from the pulpit. And, uh, and one thing that I would throw out right here too is just the word modeling. The pastor has to model what a disciple is and what a disciple maker looks like, right? So you've heard that phrase that everything rises and falls on leadership. Well, um, one thing that's really important for churches is you need an intentional pathway that people are going to follow. Matter of fact, PJ, right now in the comments, uh, for some of these uh, guys and ladies that that are in tune with us every week, you've got an intentional pathway, you know, go, grow, show, or whatever that is at your church if you've got an intentional pathway, drop that. Or matter of fact, if you could drop a link to what yours are, if you have an infographic, we have people that are going to watch this broadcast that contacted me today that are looking for examples. They're looking for an infographic to what other people are doing. Now, pastor modeling that is huge, right? Now, PJ, you've got, I think you even had a suggestion for a book on this topic too, as well.
1: Oh man, you're going to have to help me with more than that for a lead in. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was just looking at the notes here
0: and it was discipleship Oh, so sorry. As
1: a, I didn't know if you meant right in here. Okay. So, uh, discipleship, uh, culture, um, there, there's a book, Brandon Giddon wrote it, you know, yes. we read it as a, as a thing. Now I, I've, I've been able to preach in Southwest Georgia and I love this region. And so if anybody's heard me at their church, I use this as the sermon without love, your ministry efforts are worthless. And mm. We want to build culture. We have to have love be the central element of all these things. Why else, pastor, do you need to have a group um, that you meet with on top of all the things you're doing? That's good. We're demonstrating love. Love is what fuels that.
0: And let me mention two other things right here when we talk about how the pastor can lead this and not be programmatic, but make discipleship a big part of the church. We talked about how the pastor's got to lead that. And you've heard me say that many times where the pastor can either be the ceiling or they can remove the ceiling. Here's a second word. I call it mentoring. So the leadership of the church, pastor, or if, you, or if you're blessed to have a staff, which is not the majority of our churches, but if you if you've, are, are leading, you've got to raise up additional leaders in the church who can consistently talk the language and model the life of a disciple. Mm-hmm. So modeling is important. Mentoring is huge, but also the word alignment. A big part of what the pastor can do and needs to do is to make sure that everything you do from weekly programs to ministries, whether it's women's ministry, men's ministry, you know, a big game supper or revival or crusade or whatever, that you've got to align your money that when people look at your budget, they ought to know based on where you're spending your money, that you're a disciple making church, but also the ministries that you allow to flow and to flourish at your church should point to making disciples of Jesus Christ, not just spending money on big event, big show kind of things. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and, you know, we're, we're recording this and we're, and we're doing this in the middle of the height of this pandemic, we hope. We hope it doesn't go much higher than this, right? Yes. But uh, we are almost a year into it. People thought it would come and go and it's still here and it looks like it's going to be here for a little while or we may have a new reality with it for a while. And so, um, it, you know, part of this broadcast today is not ignoring at all our local uh, environments. Every church is different as they re- they deal with COVID. Every pastor is dealing with that differently in yes. their own congregation, and that's part of our autonomy. And I think that's great. But you know, how will discipleship, um, disciple making, look different as a result of COVID? What do you think?
0: Absolutely, and and I would echo what um, all the major play major players are saying that we're not going to go back to the new normal. Matter of fact, I'm doing a a series of messages at the end of the month and different things like the summit conference, uh, a, a gathering of Alabama leaders. And it's called leading in the new different because everything's going to be different. We're not going back to the old normal. It's leading in the new different. Let me give you four words that I think are important right here. First one is creativity. You got to do what you can, where you are with what you have large church, small church, medium church, one pastor, multi-staff, bivocational, whatever it is. Do what you can, where you are with what you have. And my phrase that I love to say is, don't make excuses, make a way. Mm. And when we talk about disciple making, it is going to look different. The, the study that I saw that uh, came out from uh, Dave Kinman, the president of the Barna Group, said that uh, we've gone from 2000 where 45% of church attenders were, uh, met the criteria to be called, be called a, a growing Christian. And when, you, when he did the study in 2020, that frame went from 45% to 25%. Almost half would be considered healthy, growing, engaged, regular Christians in their church. So friends, listen, we've got, to, we've got to figure out new ways to do it. Creativity is going to be number one. And also there's another, I'm going to call it networking. We've got to find a way to plug into what others are doing. And what I said at the beginning of this broadcast, that there's wisdom in the crowd. Now, PJ, we've got to, Uh, pathway that we call learning communities, where we want you to plug in. We're doing six learning communities in each of the six regions all over Georgia for so that no pastor can look up and say, I don't have anybody to meet with or find best practices. You've got it where you can get best practices and encouragement. Hmm. Here's a third one. I call it biblical integrity. So with all of the hoopla, with the pandemic, with the craziness, with all the changes, the one thing that must stay is our emphasis on the integrity of teaching God's word and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life. It's gotta be there. We cannot, because the goal, listen, the the goal of discipleship is not connection. It's not just getting them into a Sunday school class or a life group. The goal of discipleship is Christ's likeness. And that change only comes as we're intimately engaged in the study and memorization and living out the word of God. The fourth word I would say right here is the word balance. You've got to have inflow, but you also got to have outflow. We've got to find a way for these churches, particularly the churches that have really large buildings and campuses to use those campuses to make a difference in the community. Let the police force use a room, give the food pantry a room, allow people to use these massive places as we look at some hybrid models that are developing in our
1: world. Yeah. Well, and and I think those are all just really relevant. And I was thinking balance too, you know, balance is such a big part of this. And, you know, uh, we'll be plugging that in a couple of weeks as part of the strategy. And so it's definitely something to tune back into. And as we unpack these things in light of COVID each week, we're going to be talking about yeah. all these watershed principles. And then what does that look like now? And because the principle, you know, we are in a crisis, there are things happening. We uh, speak many are not Sunday school, haven't restarted Sunday school or tried and it got yeah. shut down. We do that, but that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean that we, we wait for another day. It means that we prepare and we start working for that. So um, as, as that happens, you know, what is discipleship work as a hybrid model? And, you know, if I'm a bivocational pastor, you know, tell me what hybrid model means uh, for my church, you know, and then what does it mean for a, a mega church? How, how are those different?
0: Well, we know the pastor is still the key. He's going to have to mentor this. He's going to have to lead the charge on this hybrid model. Um, having somebody else try to lead the charge is not going to work. He's going to have to sell it. He's going to have to live it and be it. Now, in the large church, here's what I want to throw out. I think there's, there's going to be a rise in what we see, but also a rise in the need for this equipping pastor role, that number two leader who's going to oversee discipleship, who's going to make sure there's alignment with our budget with our programming, and that we have an intentional process, and that all of it works together. Okay, the church has to, if you're in a medium to larger size church, you've got to have somebody overseeing this process who is not the pastor. You're going to kill your pastor. He cannot do everything. Now, let's talk about the small church, PJ, because in the small church, I think um, as important as the pastor is, he's got to be thinking mentoring. Mm. This is going to be huge because he's got to raise people up maybe on a volunteer at most, a part-time basis, but maybe even a volunteer basis, who's gonna oversee this monster. Now, the really cool thing is that learning community we talked about, they can plug in, they can learn, they can gather best practices. And we've got consultants in every region who can help you flesh this whole thing out. You are not alone in the local church. There's gonna have to be ongoing training. There's gonna have to, And here's another piece of this too, PJ. Long-term tenure of the pastor in the church is going to be more important in the future church than it's ever been. Mm. To develop these processes, to maintain them, to sustain them, there's got to be long-term tenure. Now, uh, let me give you a second piece of this. I think that the word innovation is going to be a buzzword in the coming years. Mm. That is key to what we're doing innovating how we're doing things, how we're gonna deliver them, um, processes, pathways, material, curriculum. Listen, nobody is trying to lead this charge more than Lifeway. They're having to innovate or they are gonna to cease to exist. Whether well, their model from the past is not gonna work. So just keep in mind that innovation is gonna be a buzzword and, and we're gonna to have to learn to lead in what I call the new different. And then the third thing is a last. my last thought on this, there's going to have to be next level engagement is going to have to be our focus. Now, Will, Will Mancini in his book, Future Church, he talks about two pieces here. He talks about the lower level engagement in a house. Like, so think about a house, you know, if you're a two story house, that first level is where, you know, people are engaging. It's the felt needs, it's to, to connect them in a life group. Let's have fellowships. Let's let them know they're loved. We're taking care of people. Um, it's all of those kind of things. Most churches live in the first floor of that house. But if, in the future church, if we're going to be successful, we've got to get to next level engagement, to the second floor engagement where there's commitment and where we are practicing what it means to look and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's why we exist, PJ. That's why we put so much money and effort in getting to consultants in the field and, and that we've developed the watershed principle is help people take the next level step to become disciples in churches who grow world impacting disciple makers.
1: Yeah, never a more important time than to invest in disciples. I've heard the phrase, uh, well, now I guess we know who's really a part of our church from several pastors in some way, shape or yes. form. Uh, But don't we, in a year from now, want to say we have sold out people that are here and we're growing and we're doing those things and it's all possible. And um, I'm sitting here when you're talking about innovate and, you know, sometimes we get so set in our ways, we don't think, you know, there's not possibly a way we can rebuild it, but I have Legos here. And Mm -hmm. as I shared, you know, Harper is really into Legos, like that's one of our quarantine things. And uh, what's interesting is you can take these same blocks and make a person, a dog, a duck and all those things and have fun with them, right?
0: Yeah. And so one idea
1: is to sit down with those directors, sit down with that staff member team, give them some Legos and every week show each other. You can innovate something different. You can make something different. Just these Legos is as serious as the gospel and how mm-hmm. we're going to find that model to make disciples
0: so good pj thank you for joining me today thank you for all you do thank you for producing you're producing making sure that this comes across on all of our different platforms today and again friends make sure you leave a comment share this if this benefited you share this with people share it broadly so that we can magnify gospel impact across all platforms and again thank you for all that you're doing to make disciple makers And I pray for you as it is every week that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you.